But it was the same favor of God that led Daniel to experience hardship. God lifted him up, but because he followed God, he's also going to go through some really hard times here. Verse 4 and 5. If you look at that, it says that it's precisely because of his faithful devotion to God that Daniel would experience persecution. We can assume, apart from that, he might have just clearly sailed on. But because he has chosen to be faithful to God, because he has chosen, though he knows it's going to bring persecution, to stand before the windows, get down on his knees, and pray like he always has, because he chooses to be faithful to God, he knows it's going to bring it on. Because of his love for God, he's going to experience persecution. And guys, this is a really countercultural message. Because, I mean, you turn your TV on late at night, and you go to the religious channel, or you go to your Christian bookstore and you find a self-help aisle. And there's a lot of books, a lot of people talking about what God wants to give you if you just follow him. Like the seven steps to success, kind of unlocking the inner you. You know, that God wants to somehow, he wants to be like a key that will really make you you. And I, I think there's some validity in that. I, I believe that God does desire to bless us. That um, I, I, You need to hear that's true. Because what that means is that everything that you have that is good, it's not just because you're better looking than everyone else or you work a little harder. We would say that's God's favor upon your life. It's his blessings. But there's a dangerous message here. There's a dangerous thought here. Because what you can fall into thinking, what we can think then is that says, if God truly blesses me, if I am really under God's favor, um, I'm going to experience professional success. We might be financially wealthy. What do we say when we're getting, oh, well, God is blessing us so much, right? Or you're going to have a lot of nice things. You're going to be really popular. You're going to be really comfortable. But the subtle flip side of the message, and we can miss this part, is that if you're not experiencing those things, that you must not be following God properly. That if you're not experiencing financial prosperity or health, or family um, wholeness or comfort, then somehow you must be really ticking God off. You must really be doing it wrong. And, and you need to hear that's a really unbiblical, really dangerous way of thinking because what we see here in Daniel is that the very hardship that you might experience, it may be caused, not in spite of, but because of your desire to honor God. It's not just a side thing. Maybe the reason that you're going through certain hardships or sufferings or persecutions is precisely because you have chosen to be someone who follows this Jesus. Because getting, getting thrown into the lion's den, this was not because Daniel lived unfaithfully. It's because, because he lived faithfully. You guys catching this? And, and I'm guessing, there's a part of me, honestly, I was thinking about today, thinking, you know, if we're going to have people, man, should I be saying this stuff today? Because our goal is kind of for you to stay and keep coming. Um, I don't know if I should be telling you, yeah, you're going to follow Jesus and life might get really hard. <laughs> I mean, I want you to stay. I mean, that's my human flesh. But we need to be real here, right? Anyone want to be real with me here? Any, we need to be real here, right? Because 
I mean, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I love those stories of, well, you know, if you're a student, just give your all to Jesus. Just don't even worry about school. Don't make that a priority. Just give it all to Jesus. Just serve and worship and donate your time and be faithful in all those things. And God will provide and you'll still be number one in your class. I mean, I love those testimonies. They make great stories and sermons. But, but the reality is, that's not real life for most of us. I remember my first day of seminary. I think I've shared this before. My first day of seminary, I was in there, and they were doing an introduction. One professor looked out at the class, and he said, some of you in this class, if you end up getting an A this semester, it means you have been sinning. I was like, say what? I am Asian. You don't talk to me like that. I don't understand. That does not compute. I, I, I mean, that really does not make any sense to me. What he meant was that some of you, you are those nerds that most of us don't like, that you don't even need to study. You just look at, you got like photographic memory and you memorize it. And you can get an A, like nothing, no sweat. But many of us, for you to get an A meant that you, you were not being faithful to your spouse. You were not giving enough time to your children. You were prioritizing your work above your health. You are not being involved in your church. And the point was, you know what? Yeah, maybe you'll have this brand of success called an A. You'll, you'll have sold your soul to get it. Because the, the truth is, for many of us, we serve God faithfully. Maybe you're not going to be number one. Maybe you're not going to be the most successful person. Maybe you're not going to be the top of the class or top of your office. And, and there's a dying there. I mean, another example that came to mind, uh, I mean, and many of us, this might be applicable, just in looking for someone, perhaps God's will, that you would marry one day if you're single. Like, even right now, I know, I know you do it because I did it when I was single. You're in, sitting in a room, you're kind of looking around, you're scanning the room, and you're like, wow, they really lift their hands up well. And, you know, is that a potential made for me, God? Are you, is this a sign? I mean, we think that way, right? Um, but, the more I've just lived life, I know there's a real challenge. And, you know, and this goes both ways for men and for women. But for a lot of ladies, I know it's a real struggle for you to seek to honor God in your modesty. To not be drawn or not to draw men to you just by the ways you can reveal as much of your body as you can. That you feel convicted, I, I want to be a woman of honor and integrity. And that means that I'm not going to be throwing my body parts around for people to like slobber after. I'm going to seek other things. I'm going to seek a different way. And let's be real. That might make you feel like you're not getting as much attention as a girl who does. <laughs> and feel like you're not, you're kind of falling behind because of that. There, there's a subtle dying. Sorry, new paper. I mean, talk about popularity and it would be great, this idea that, you know what, I follow Jesus, and now suddenly I have all these new friends. I've got a new church. I've got all these new buddies, brothers from another mother. It's just great. But the reality is for some of us, for you to follow Jesus in the way that he's convicting you means that a lot of people who've always called you friend are going to stop calling you friend. The people who used to call you on a Friday night, you realize you, you just stopped getting those calls. All those email chains, hey, my name got dropped from there. What happened? Because for a lot of people, if, if you follow Jesus, they might feel like, you know, that's just crimping our style. It's not working out here. 
And I know that's part of my story for me to follow. And part of it is my own weakness. I couldn't be around certain people because I would do some really bad things. So I needed to remove myself. I was lonely, really lonely, like Friday night scrubbing my floor alone, lonely. (laughs) Some of you laugh like you know that a little bit too well. Again, I'm not trying to scare you here, but I want you guys, I want you to have eyes wide open. I don't want you to jump into this whole follow Jesus thing as, oh, you know, it's all like sunshine and bubbles now, and I get to jump around with you, happy, happy, joy. No, have your eyes wide open because, yes, God blesses, but sometimes his blessings look like you're being tossed into a pit of lions. That's what sometimes God's blessings look like. And it's a reminder for us that the Christian faith, it really, it's a process of dying to ourselves. And we've got some different verses here. One, Jesus says it himself in Luke 9, 23, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. The Apostle Paul, he echoes these thoughts in Philippians 1, 21, where he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He repeats the same thoughts in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Guys, the reason why I'm talking about, even as we talk about baptism a bit, baptism, um, we're reminded that one of the symbols of baptism is it's described in Colossians 2.12. We also have it up on the screen. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That baptism is a sign of life, but guys, the first half of it, when you go into the water... Water is a destructive thing. Water is a symbol of death. It's a symbol that just as Jesus died on the cross, you're dying with him. Your sin died with him. And of course, it's good news. We come back up. But there's death involved. There's a dying to yourself. The same message that, yes, God wants to give us life, but we receive that life as we die to ourselves. It's really kind of a counterintuitive thing that to live is to die. And, and I want you to hear this correctly because if you left right now, you would be miserable. You would think this is one of the worst churches in the world. They're, next they're going to ask me for my money. And, um, I, I just want, I want to hear you. This. The goal is not death itself. Amen? The goal is not death itself. The goal is not to be on the bottom of the pool just kind of waiting there until someone pulls you up. That's, that's not the goal. The goal is not self-sacrifice or, or, or self-denial as if, something, if, as if that's noble in itself. Because for some of us, it is, right? You've lived your whole life. It's all about what you give up. You're always talking about what you give up for God. But our focus is not about dying to ourselves. The purpose is being raised up in new life. Amen? It's, it's about new life. The goal is always life. And guys, when you get that, when you recognize that the goal is about life, you realize that it's not about God trying to take away your life. He's trying to give you a life really worth living. It's not about God trying to steal away your joy. He actually wants to restore your joy as you're you're meant to be lived. Look at all those verses again. It's all about life. Die, but so that I can give you real life. And perhaps God is trying to reveal what you're living for. Maybe what God is trying to do is he's trying to expose those things that you're looking to for your satisfaction. He's trying to expose those things you're looking for for your purpose, for your meaning. 
whether it's in success or whether it's in someone who loves you or whether it's making money or whether it's being healthy, whatever it might be. He's, maybe he's trying to expose you of the things that you're looking to to save you and saying, yeah, you know, it's not that they're bad in and of themselves, but guys, they're not God. It's not that those things are bad or evil, but they're not God. They don't have the capacity to do what you're asking them to do in your life. Because God is trying to save you from the things that you're looking to to fulfill you. Because they don't have the power to save you. Only God does. That if you taste the riches and, and the truth of God's love, his mercy, his grace, you will just be ruined for anything else. It's like when you taste Capitol Grill steak, you just cannot go to Denny's again. I, I mean, you're just ruined. You're just ruined when you've had the real thing. When you've experienced God, you look at all these other things that you used to be so enamored by and say, really? That, that's what held my cap? That captured my attention? No way. When I've experienced God. And it'll seem ridiculous to look to anything else for life when you've experienced what it comes to in, in God. And guys, that's what makes a guy who has everything say that he'd rather go into a pit of lions. That's what makes an eight-month pregnant woman, Sudanese pregnant woman, approach death. Even though she could receive life by saying, I, I don't believe in this Jesus. And maybe you would ask, what would compel to someone to that kind of devotion? What would make someone be that insane that they say, I'd even lose my life? Um, I, I'm just thinking of weddings just with yesterday with um, Van Kim and Larry. And I, I remember one pastor, I think I shared this before, one pastor I knew back in Philadelphia, uh, back when he was a youth minister, um, and contrary to belief, some of you are thinking, man, I'm looking for a real good paying gig. Let me be a youth pastor. It's not true. You know, someone's lying to you, just trying to get you into that. Um, it, it, you don't make very much. But um, I remember one of my friends was in his youth group, and he was his youth pastor, and he got into his car because uh, youth students are leeches. They look for their youth pastor's cars, right, because they can't drive. So they got into his car, and he looked in the backseat, and they saw a 7-Eleven apron. They're like, Pastor, what, what, what's, what's that apron in the back? And he'd been kind of trying to keep it a secret. But he said, hey, you know what? I'm in full-time seminary, but I've got this woman back home that I love, and I want to marry her. I want to propose to her, but I got no money, so I need to earn a little coin so I can get a ring for her. So I work nights at 7-Eleven after my day so that I can earn enough to get her ring. And if you think about that, Without knowing this woman at all, either he is insane or she is the most amazing woman you would meet. Because what happens is the, the depth of the sacrifice involved reveals the price of the object. The, the amount that you're willing to sacrifice reveals how beautiful that object of affection is to you. So... I don't know Daniel's mind, or I don't know this eight-month pregnant Sudanese woman's mind, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they have met the God of the Bible intimately. They have met the God of the Bible who is far more beautiful than they could ever comprehend. They have met a God of the Bible and in the story of Daniel that points forward to this Jesus Christ who, just like Daniel, did nothing wrong, was blameless, 
And like Daniel was thrown into a pit, his pit was called a cross. But different than Daniel, he didn't get rescued at the last moment. He actually gave up his life. I'm guessing people like this, they have met that kind of God who loves them that much to make them say, take my life. Take it from me. Take it all. You don't know what I have. You think you're taking the good stuff from me. I I can't lose this. It's promised me in scripture. I will never lose. Take my body. Take my life. Take my family. Take my money. Take everything. You cannot take this. Because I'm a treasure of God. No, nothing can steal that away from me. And guys, that, that's why we talk about how great God is, not how much you need to do. Because how much you need to do, you're going to get tired eventually. You're going to be like, this church stinks. All they want me to do is stuff. But if we talk about how great and how big God is, you get to a point that says, there's nothing I couldn't do. There's nothing I don't want to do for the sake of his majesty. That makes sense? And, and that's what our folks getting baptized today are talking about. Maybe you're getting baptized. You didn't know that's what you're talking about. That's what you're talking about. You're, you're dying to yourself, and you're proclaiming new life in Christ. So I want to invite those who are getting baptized to all come up to this front pew here, if you can sit with me. And I'm going to give them some time to share their stories a bit. If you can all sit in the pew here, there should be enough room for everyone. We can squeeze. We can squeeze. And we're going we're gonna to have the privilege to, to baptize these seven folks here. I think we've got their names up here. And uh, part of the baptism is I want to give them a chance to share their story a little bit. And just because this is a good problem. We've got so many, we can't give them a full testimony. But we want to give them a few minutes at least to share this. So um, can I ask Drew to come up first? Would you build? <laughs> come on up, Drew. Let's give them a hand as they come up. Just encourage them. And uh, maybe, Drew, just for a, for a little bit, you can share here, how's your life, how's, what's God done in your life? What, how are things different, and how's Jesus changed your life? <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing because I was telling Rob that if it wasn't for him changing his life, I wouldn't be in his church today. I'd still be in the world chasing the lusts of the world, the demons, being my worst friend. My worst enemy, my worst demon. But coming into here and opening up and learning how to trust in, in, in God's ways and Jesus, I realized that my daily life is nowhere close to the struggle that Jesus went through. The people before us, for real, we have it a lot easy that we don't even look at it, you know, from that point of view. And I guess it was my selfishness, you know, um, speaking to you, going to our men's group, trying to be as conductive as possible in church. And even when I leave church, you know what I mean? I, I try to be humble. I try to keep everything in mind. But it's hard at times. You know, I, I have issues, and we all have issues. But it's relying on something that has more power than ourselves. And I finally understand that. Ebony, why don't you come on up? 
Yeah, Ebony, just take a, take a little bit of your time here. Can you share just how Jesus has transformed your life, how he's worked in you, how he's, how's he changed you? Uh, the Lord has changed me in in many ways from what just about what He's been teaching me over the past few months. And I mean, I I see things in a in a brighter light now. I see people for who they are. I I accept myself. And the main thing is, I no longer want to hurt myself. I no longer want to take my life. But he has also been, you know, showing me and teaching me how to humble myself and, you know, how to apply the things that he is, you know, showing me to my everyday life. Because at one point in time, I thought that nobody loved or cared for me, but be there to comfort me. But he showed me that I love you, I care for you, and I'm going to be there to comfort you. I'm going to be there with you no matter what. So, I He's, he's been sending me books. You know, I love to read. And just like the more and more books that he sends me, he's talking directly to me through these books. I got the Bible. I got books that he sent me. Right now, he just sent me one the other day called The Imitation of Christ. Mm. And this book right here, I mean, goodness, the first two chapters, it would just jump right off him like he was speaking directly to me yeah. and how to do it. And I think that has something to be in relation to me getting baptized today. Because when you get baptized and you change your life and everything, you're supposed to imitate Christ. And now I got a handbook on that. So I just want to thank him for thank him for that. But my life has, has totally changed. And ever since I started coming here, I feel acceptance and I feel love. So just want to thank you for that. All right. All right, I'm in. Why don't you come up? And um, before I mean share, it's just we're actually not recording this part 